Welcome to Beyond the Summit, Trinity College's podcast that looks at accomplished alumni and asks them how they became who they are. Welcome to our third season, where we're spending time with alumni whose post-college careers have involved working or volunteering in the world of sports. I'm your host, Paul Sullivan, Trinity Class of 1995. With me today is Kat Conlon, Class of 2008. She was an Arabic language and literature major at the college. She also played field hockey and basketball. Kat is now the executive director of the Mamba and Mambasita Sports Foundation, a nonprofit organization dedicated to creating positive impact for underserved athletes and young women in sports. It was founded through the vision and loving memory of Kobe and Gianna Gigi Bryant. Kat assumed that role in 2021. Before that, she was the president of the Friends of the American University of Afghanistan. Welcome to Beyond the Summit, Kat. Uh, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, you know, we're talking about sports, so let's start there. Uh, when did you start playing sports as a kid? Oh, gosh. So I um, am one of four kids in my family. I was the third of four. And from as early as I can remember, just, you know, getting out in the driveway and shooting hoops with my dad and my older sister, um, Let's see, in my family, it goes my older brother, Jimmy, my older sister, Bridget, me and my younger brother, Maddie. And so my sister and I are very, very close. And um, she was a great mentor for me. And and as early as I can remember, we were always just outside playing together. Yeah. Where'd you grow up? Yeah. I grew up in Cape Cod, Massachusetts, no um, born. Like yeah. So right okay. at the Sagamore Bridge, which, you know, has all of the traffic and not as nice of beaches as the rest of the Cape, but it was, it was such a fun place to grow up. So growing up in Bourne, I have this, this memory that, that Mitt Romney, when he was governor, didn't he like change that whole rotary or something like that to make it less trafficy? Is that, is that correct? Yes, exactly. Uh, there is, and I live right down the street from that rotary. Um, but yes, they they ended up reorganizing the rotary, so the highway just connected straight to the to the Sagamore Bridge, nice. and so you could just go right over. Okay, that's that's not that's not the here. But that's, that's, that, that, that was that, like that's that was the bottleneck. But... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> We all any anybody who's been to the Cape knows it well. Um, so, what were some of the sports that you really got into when you were a kid? You said you played a lot with your your dad and, and your siblings, but you know, did you gravitate toward one early yeah, on? Yeah, I mean, it was just like a very traditional sports. Uh, growing up, it was you know soccer very early on and basketball. Um, those were the two main sports. Like when I was a little kid, and then when I got to high school, I picked up um, tennis, and so. Um, I went to Bourne High School, and then my sophomore year, I transferred to Phillips Academy Andover, and I think I was a little intimidated by the by the private school tennis, so so I dropped it there and picked up um, lacrosse for like one season. But okay. uh, my main sports were were always you know number one basketball, number one in my heart, and then um, again when I when I got into high school, I picked up uh, field hockey, field hockey and tennis. Yeah, well, you got an awful lot of sports going on there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, and tell me, so once you get to, you know, high school, uh, every, you got to specialize a bit more. You, you only have, you know, at a, at a prep school, you only get the three seasons. So that's when it was what field hockey, basketball and lacrosse. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when I, by the time I got to Andover, um, it was 
you know, I think Andover does a really good job of, of encouraging kids to not specialize. Like they did everything in their power to kind of, um, at a time, I think, you know, that was around what, like 2003, uh, was my junior year. And so at a time when so many kids were specializing, um, Andover did a good job of like, you could only, you know, if you took one season off, you had to at least be doing something athletically. And so um, for me, I did field hockey and basketball. And then the spring, just because of the way the recruiting season was, you know, you really had to play a basketball in the spring. So I took one season off so I could do that outside of school. And then my senior year, I picked up, you know, I had nothing, I had already committed to Trinity and, um, I had nothing to do in the spring. And so I picked up lacrosse for one season and actually that was a fun thing to do. I had never tried it before. And, um, I, at one point there was a conversation that I was going to try to play lacrosse at Trinity as well. Um, wow. but I think, you know, by when I was at Trinity, my field hockey coaches, um, the head coach and Parmenter and the assistant coach, um, Kate, they, they flip-flopped uh, for lacrosse season. So uh -huh. Kate became the head coach for lacrosse and Anne was the assistant coach for, um, for lacrosse. And so they had said to me, oh, you know, why don't you just come out and, and try out and, and run around? And so I, I was interested in it, but I think, I think the fatal mistake was they gave me a week off between basketball and field hockey. Uh -huh. And I was, and that's when I kind of got a breath of like, Trinity life yeah, right. playing a sport. And I was kind of like, you know, lacrosse isn't even my sport. I'm going to sit this one out. But I had so much fun playing field hockey and basketball there. Yeah. And I know the process, you know, for applying to college is, is a little different for, for athletes who are going to play. What was it like for you when you were looking around at the, at the different schools where you could possibly play basketball? And, and what really stood out when you thought about, you know, when, when you chose Trinity? Yeah. So I was really interested in playing um, I mean, I was definitely looking at schools, number one for basketball, but I was really interested in playing field hockey and basketball. Um, I had just come out of this amazing, you know, private school experience that was so foreign to me growing up. You know, I always went to public schools and, and loved and actually loved that blend of public and private. But um, one of the things I thought Andover did really well was, you know, it wasn't all about sports and it wasn't all about school. And so I was kind of looking for that um, in my college experience, something that was like strong academically, but also like great sports. And for me, a natural fit was the NESCAC league. And so I started looking at the NESCAC schools um, and, and really, you know, kind of made my rounds with them. But ultimately I felt like Trinity was just a good fit for me. Um, because I could play field hockey and basketball and, um, you know, it was only three hours away from home and I had some friends from high school that were also going there. And so, uh, that it was just a fun transition. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, going to, to Trinity, to any division three school, you, you know, it's going to be about competition, but also about enjoyment. Uh, the WNBA is unlikely to come and recruit <laughs> you, um, what did you think when you think about like the coaches you had at Trinity, you know, for, for basketball, for field hockey, what, what stands out about them and what stands out about them in terms of, you know, not just their coaching, whether you, you won or lost, but, but what they sort of imparted on you as a, as a collegiate athlete, as a, as a young woman. Yeah. Well, so when I first got to Trinity, obviously my, my first introduction was with field hockey and Ann Parmenter 
was my coach. She's still the coach there now. Um, and she's just like an incredible woman and was a great, um, you know, like kind of like the woman I would love to be like one day in terms of like her sense of adventure, her sense of perspective. She was a great coach, but she also, um, you know, did a lot of cool stuff outside of coaching. She, you know, climbed Everest a number of times and, and, uh, taught us, you know, how to rock climb on, on the weekends. We were like, do team trips to go rock climb. So it was like, isn't that kind of dangerous for an athlete? Like what if you slip? Do you think about that? Like, yeah, you know, I don't, we weren't, we weren't on like the biggest, uh, (laughs) it was probably, you know, in retrospect, it was probably like a 20 foot, um, you know, rock that we were climbing, but it must've really made the the basketball coach happy too, knowing that (laughs) one of uh, the recruits was out rock climbing in the fall. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and then on the basketball experience, you know, my, my coach, uh, when I first got there, Mo Pine, she, um, ended up transitioning out at the end of my freshman year. And then, um, Wendy ended up taking over, uh, sophomore year on and, and, again, like super cool. She, Wendy and, and my field hockey coach Anne ended up becoming like very good friends. And so, um, you would, I would often see Wendy on the sidelines at my field hockey games. And then she was also, um, you know, super cool because she had one of the, like, I think at the time, and, and I don't, I haven't kept up with it, but at the time when she took over at Trinity, she had like the all time three point shooting record at UConn. And so it was like very cool to, you know, and I was an aspiring three point shooter, um, you know, not, not always the most successful, but I love, like, I love shooters in the game of basketball. And so she was one of the best, like ever. And so it was nice to play for her too. Um, because, you know, it just, it doesn't get much better than UConn women's basketball. Yeah. How, how was the Trinity team when you were there? Well, how did you guys, how did you girls play? You know, we were, we were scrappy. Um, I think what was sort of funny about being a D3 athlete is, you know, I'm, I'm five, nine, not, not super tall in the game of basketball, but that's like kind of tall for D3 basketball. And so even though I, I loved, you know, just kind of being like a lazy three point shooter at (laughs) Trinity, I got to, you know, there were times when I was like the center. Um, so I got to play all five positions and that was interesting, actually probably four positions. I don't think, I don't think anyone let me touch the ball as a point guard because I'm I'm a horrible dribbler, but, um, (laughs) but anyways, uh, we were scrappy. So like we would, I, our, I love to tell people, um, my co-captain when I was a senior was, uh, Jess Sims and she's now like this, Yeah, she's like a famous Peloton instructor. We talk all the time and she often jokes even, you know, while with Peloton that she she was probably like, (laughs) she's going to kill me when she hears it, but she's like five, seven, maybe. And she was like basically our center and was like the, the leading, you know, offensive defensive rebounder on our team and it's just because she was scrappy and I think that was indicative of how we played so we were just average to to be honest with you I I think we lacked like height and um and that's you know and obviously height goes a long way in, in uh, basketball yeah, but you, you did have a five foot seven seven yeah. so I think that that kind of goes without saying that you lacked but, you some know, height we were scrappy I <laughs> two weeks ago my um 
my roommate and and my captain when I was a when I was a junior, Sarah Cox, she was visiting me here in North Carolina and and we were up until like two in the morning just telling funny basketball stories. Um, but, you know, they, it, that's I think that that's what it's really about. Like we were here we are, you know, all these years later and and we were up late talking about like that time we beat Tufts because we weren't supposed to beat them. And like that's what it's really about. It was like all about your friendships and the competition. And at the end of the day, we were just an average team, but yeah. um, but it was really like the memories. It's yeah, it's those memories, those friendships, those lessons. Um, yeah. But let's shift a little bit and sort of, you know, not on the field, off the court, uh, to the classroom. How did you know when you did you always want to be a an Arabic language and literature major, or was it something you sort of found when you were you're making your way academically through through Trinity? Yeah, I mean, I I feel like this is one of the great like liberal arts experiences. Uh, when I got to Trinity, I had no idea what I wanted to study. I love to read and I love to write and I love to research. And so I was thinking, you know, English, history. And and honestly, when I um, transitioned from public school to private school, my first day at Andover was 9-11, actually. And so that was a profound experience for me and realized I knew nothing about the Middle East. And so when I got to Trinity and I was thinking about what I wanted to study, I thought, why don't I, why don't I just focus on something that I'm actually really interested in and I knew nothing about. And so um, I focused on Middle Eastern studies and basically because it was a lot of writing and a lot of research and I was, and I was curious. Um, And then Arabic, it was, you know, such, it was so funny for my friends who had stuck with me on this, um, journey I had for years to learn Spanish because I was a horrible Spanish student and when I told them you know and now I'm gonna start Arabic they were like what but actually (laughs) what was nice again about Arabic at Trinity we were all starting from the same level right so like with Spanish you're all coming from different backgrounds some people speak it at home some people and like that was not the case (laughs) that's not the case at Trinity so we all started on like a very level playing field. And, um, and I just loved learning Arabic alongside learning about the Middle East, because, you know, in Islamic culture, it's, it's all, it's all one, it's all part of it. So it was a nice um, experience. And and I had never traveled outside of the country, like ever, um, not even to like Canada or Mexico. And so my junior year, um, I got to study abroad in Egypt. Uh, oh, wow so like landed there had to find an apartment i mean it was it was this um amazing experience and so um that's just what i love about about d3 sports it's like it was it was just such a perfect balance of like take sports seriously take academics seriously but but still give yourself room to um experiment and grow and my basketball coach couldn't have been more supportive of that decision Right, meaning that the, even though you enjoyed basketball, you're good at it, that didn't get in the way of you having this amazing experience. In, yeah, in I still got to play when I left my junior year for Egypt. I, I still got to play, you know, a quarter of the of the games that season. And then while I was abroad, I was writing my basketball team just kind of like 
my experience being a woman in in Egypt and um that was right before it was like the year before the Arab Spring and so it was a very tense time politically um and you know just like there are so many wonderful things about the Middle East but as a as a um young person who was just experiencing it you know there was also things like a lot of harassment on the streets and things like that and so I was able to communicate that with my basketball team and I think um you know my coach appreciated that I think my teammates appreciated that and it was like this extension um of being a teammate just not on the court yeah yeah when you think about you know, the professors you had or, or the coaches or assistant coaches mm-hmm. uh, who really had an impact on you as, as a young woman and, and who you still think about today. Who are a couple of those, those people that, that stand out? Yeah, so I, academically, Raymond Baker was, um, he was one of my Middle Eastern studies professors and he really encouraged me to, to study abroad in the Middle East. And and, you know, it was during a time where my friends were going to Rome and Barcelona and and having incredible experiences there. But he kind of pulled me aside and said, listen, like some point in your life, I'm sure you'll get to Europe, but this is the time in your life to really like dive into what you're studying and also like have an incredible experience in a place that you may never get to later in life. And so I, that just changed the trajectory of my life in many ways, that experience. And so I love Raymond for that after, you know, I, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but, but after college, I ended up um, working for an American university in Afghanistan. And when I was in Egypt, I studied at the American university in Cairo. So there was definitely a link there. And even while I was working with the school in Afghanistan, I had emails back and forth with Raymond Baker and Vijay Prashad, who was another like beloved professor of mine. They were super supportive of my career um, post-Trinity. And so I love them for that. Um, my, and then again, my coaches, um, I have have remained in touch with, I've um, run marathons and, and Ann Parmenter, again, my field hockey coach, she was a huge inspiration for me in running marathons. She's run uh, probably like a, a million at this point. Um, and still, every time that I run one and post on social media, she's she's always reaching out and congratulating, along with my basketball coach. And so, um, I just I definitely still feel that sense of support um, since yeah. I've graduated. Yeah. What's your best marathon time? Oh gosh, um, there hasn't been a great there hasn't been a great time, um, but a lot of great efforts. And and I actually I I run alongside um, one of my one of my girlfriends who. Um, She's incredible. Her name's um, Sila, and she has stage four lung cancer. And so she and I are running Boston this year. She will have had, you know, this horrible uh, cancer for the last five and a half years. And, and this will be our sixth marathon together. And so she's oh incredible in so many ways. Um, and so she and I are, are all about taking it in for the experience. We're, we're not trying to get a best time, but... Um, you know, we still, we still have, I, I would say with everything considered, I mean, you know, we're still averaging like 10 minute miles or just below that. So it's yeah. still, it's pretty good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so as you were, you, know, you come back from, from Egypt, you, you got your senior year, you're going to play sports, you're going to finish up your major, but you know, I can imagine like when you're fi- finishing up at Andover, you had structure, you knew what you're going to do. You've been recruited to play basketball at Trinity. 
boom, you're going to go there. But now you're, you're wrapping up at the college and you've, you've had, again, life-changing experience your junior year. Here you are back in Hartford playing basketball, but you're thinking, what am I going to do? Like, what were the, some of those thoughts that were going through your head at that point as to, you know, what, what was going to come next? Yeah, you know, it was interesting. Um, I always thought that I wanted to work at ESPN. I was like one of these, I think Aaron Andrews is so cool. I, maybe I want to be a sports commentator. And so I, I applied for a job at ESPN as a production assistant. And I actually um, got the job, accepted the job, but there was a month time frame between when I accepted and when I was starting. And I wouldn't recommend this to anyone because I'm sure I'm blacklisted at ESPN <laughs> for this reason. But um, during that time, I, there was something that just didn't feel right about it to me because I, again, I was coming off of this like incredible experience in, in Egypt. And so um, I went down to DC for a week and, and actually connected with um, Artie Schweitzer, who was a friend of mine at Trinity. His mother, Leslie Schweitzer, was... Uh, had just joined the board of the American University in Afghanistan. And so I went down to DC and she set me up with all of these um, meetings for different positions uh, that dealt with the Middle East in, in DC at the time. And I was just sort of like exploring because I just had this like gut reaction to the ESPN job for some reason. And she and I got to know each other. Her husband actually was also, she, at one point, he was a um, trustee at Trinity and he was like a second father to me, Bill Schweitzer, um, amazing guy. But um, anyway, she said, listen, if you, if you come work for me uh, with this not-for-profit that supports an American university in Afghanistan, we'll put you on a plane to Afghanistan in two weeks. And I was like, done. And so <laughs> she and I always joke that like my the countries that I visited when, when I was younger, it was like number one, Egypt, number two, Afghanistan. Right. <laughs> I think you know, I was like just going to all these crazy places before I'd ever been to anywhere. Um, probably just like a little bit more safe and secure, but anyway, yeah, I turned down yeah. the ESPN job and I took the job with AUAF and was in Afghanistan two weeks later. I love this. I can imagine, you know, saying like, what? So like Bristol, Connecticut or <laughs> Kabul, like, yeah, uh, yeah, and I, yeah. like, what was ESPN's reaction when you said, I mean, it's not even oh related gosh, I, at all. It's not like you're going to like Fox sports or something like that. And they could like, yeah. just, like apples and, and like, honestly, spicy honestly pizza. I, I'm embarrassed even telling the story because it's just such a bad <laughs> it's, it's so bad to accept a job and then turn it down but honestly i they were like next you know there were so many people yeah, they have plenty of applicants yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly so um, yeah when, when you took that job i mean how long were you in Kabul? when did you come back to dc because i know you, you rose to be president of that organization so t tell me about your trajectory there yeah yeah so i was always based in dc um always okay. based in dc the foundation the 501c3 not-for-profit was based in dc and then the school um was in Kabul. and so you know i was just traveling back and forth, you know, and, and that varied according to security, always, always like at least once a year, but um, there were some times that we, I went like six times a year or, um, and then other, other, it would, another cadence would be like one to two times a year. And so I had that job for almost 13 years. Um, so, so many great trips to Afghanistan, so many incredible memories, obviously a lot of hardships as well. Um, but so, so 
that time just living in DC, I mean, like it was, it was 2009, Obama had just become president. Um, but what was, what was cool about it, because I, you know, didn't know anybody in DC apart from working for Leslie. Um, what was really cool about it was like my end to like the DC culture was actually basketball mm. because so many people I, had, had started to kind of like pick up their basketball game. Cause they wanted to, they saw that as like a route to, to get in on the basketball games with Obama that actually my now partner, um, I met him like two weeks into moving to DC at a dinner party and he was um, personally to Obama at the time and had played basketball at Duke and whatever. Yeah, and yeah. so my friend who was hosting the dinner party, um, you know, she was a friend of a friend. She said, Oh, you know, uh, Reggie cat's looking for a, a basketball run. She doesn't know anybody around here. And then, and he said, Oh, you know, I'll, I'll set you up with one. And next thing I know, I'm like going through security and I have to give my social security number before I like enter these like pickup games and and it turns out they were at the apartment of the interior and Obama was not there but there were a number of like senators and Samantha Powers would play and and it was kind of like this this you know DC elite right yeah and that I got to be part of um and so that was that was super cool um and so I I always say like throughout my life um basketball you know and just like sports in general have always had this thread of um of making the world a little bit smaller for me that was super cool and then in Afghanistan um we had the opportunity to to work with girls who wanted to play basketball and um you would think like this is going to be a separate uh they need to, if they want to play, it's got to be in a separate facility and whatever. And actually what I found when we were there was like, there were girls at the university who were just loved basketball, always wanted to, to play with the other male students and they formed a co-ed team. And, you know, there was nobody for them to play in Kabul, but they would just like play after school um, hours on end. And so whenever I would go to Kabul, I would, I would get to play with them and, and, you know, run a few like shooting sessions, but yeah, um, so that was, that was fun. Yeah. Did you ever get to play uh, with the president with Obama? I never got to play no. with the president. No, um, I never, I, I guess I, I guess my game didn't reach that level. <laughs> performance, maybe, but, maybe it wasn't like, your game. Maybe it was your yeah. trash talking. Maybe you weren't as good of a trash talker as those other people out there. Yeah, no, maybe, maybe that's right. But um, but you know, like secretaries of state and I mean, it was, I, I'm not, I'm not complaining. There were, there were a lot of cool folks who got to um, I mean, who, join that who, run. Who had game like Samantha powers, you know, at the U S Samantha know, powers and I would she, guard each other. She, she's as, as one could imagine, she's scrappy. She was like a fierce defender and yeah. And so that was cool. And I'm trying to think of, um, of who else like, oh, the names are just escaping me now, but um, like McDonough used to play and, um, you know, there were just uh, uh, tons of like Obama staffers who ended up just who are, you know, some are now like state senators and things like that. Anyway, it was just, it was a very cool pickup league. I love the story because it's like you yeah. had this passion as a girl a young girl for, for basketball, you continue it as a, a young woman and then look what it leads you into. It's just, 
completely, you know, wild, like what sports did to, you know, that was, as you said, your entree into DC was pick up basketball games with senior White House staff. <laughs> yeah, it was incredible. I loved it. You know, and then in, in my job now that I think I had always kind of in the back of my head had this, um, had this feeling like, oh, the ESPN job would have been cool too. And, and I, of course, love sports, and I There's always kind of no wanted to get back way. into sports, There's right? There's no way yeah. the ESPN job would have been anywhere near as close. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. no way. Yeah. You would have been like a lowly PA doing all kinds of I grunt know. work, and instead you're playing with, you know, cabinet officials, yeah. and you meet your future partner. I mean, come exactly. on. Exactly. Yeah. I know. Just forget, it it. Just forget about ESPN yeah. altogether. Just... Exactly. Yeah. Um, um, Talk about you started talking about your current job. Um, how did that, you know, come about? I kind of understanding a little bit more now with sort of you know your love of basketball, that connection. But you know, it's I know enough to know that all foundation work isn't isn't created equal. So how mm -hmm. did you shift from, you know, something trying to support um, a, a university, a physical structure, a university, with something that's you know trying to support? Uh, you know, a, a concept trying to support, you know, uh, people and what they want to achieve. Yeah. And so, um, again, this was through a connection at Trinity, Ramala Ratnam. She's now the head of social impact for um, Endeavor. And she's super cool. I have followed her career, um, you know, since Trinity. Before she took that job, she had worked in the MBA. And um, before that, she was the head of of the seed school um they're not-for-profit and the seed school is in senegal and africa and she um and that school is famous for producing like these incredibly talented basketball players who um oftentimes end up in the nba and so uh i think she and i had always you know i was like a fangirl of hers but um i ended up reaching out to her and just letting her know you know um we're both in this like not-for-profit space and I would love to get back into sports somehow. Um, the school in Afghanistan, I, I, you know, that's like a part of my soul and I, and I love AUAF so much. It was like a third of my life. Um, but it was also incredibly um, stressful at times. We had a horrific terrorist attack. Um, there were certainly trips to Afghanistan that were, um, you know, always dangerous. And I had lost colleagues. Um, and, you know, you just never know if that is going to be you and, and, um, you know, and life just takes these turns. My, my younger brother had passed away um, now three years ago. And so I, I was just in a place where going, traveling back to Afghanistan um, just didn't feel right for me and my family anymore. And so, and I, you know, and I had just gotten pregnant and, and I just couldn't imagine leaving the baby. And so anyway, I circled back with Ramla and just let her know um, that if she heard of anything um, that I was interested in, in working, you know, with a not-for-profit that um, maybe was, was aligned uh, in the sports world um, as, as a change of pace, I yeah, guess. Sure. Uh, and so Kobe was a client of WME and one of the services that Ramla's department helps with their clients is setting up foundations and things like that. And so when Kobe and Gianna, um, you know, so tragically passed away, um, 
the Bryant family reached out to Romulo's department and said, you know, we're thinking of starting up a new foundation. And so Romulo just reached out to me and, and that was an opportunity to throw my name in um, with, with the candidates. And it was about um, a year long process. As you can imagine, there was, um, I think just probably a, a lot of internal shifts within the foundation, things like that. Um, but that's how the, the job came about. Um, ended up going through a few round of few rounds of interviews and ultimately got it. And for me, this has just been like a dream position. Yeah. Um, not only because, you know, as a basketball player, we all love and admire Kobe, but for all the things that he was doing to support Gianna, you know, um, and her quest to be a future WNBA player. And then, um, I also just relate on the on the grief piece of it as well. Um, I know that losing family, although it, nothing is is alike, um, but I just I relate, um, and and wanting to keep a loved one's memory alive. So um, this has really just been a, a dream position for me, and um, I love giving back through through a sport that has given me so much throughout yeah. my life. Yeah. What, what's your day-to-day -day like? Like, what, what do you do on any given day, your, your week-to-week? Yeah, um, so I would say we are really navigating how we want the foundation to, like, truly honor the legacies of Kobe and Gigi. So I would say there's, it's kind of like a two-branch um, or like a two-prong approach right now. There's, um, there's what I would call like local efforts between LA and Orange County. Um, the Bryant family's from Orange County and then obviously uh, a strong influence in LA. Um, so, you know, we're running basketball camps and um, doing like Kobe, you know, following his basketball career was, was doing a lot of things creatively. And one of those things was like, he did, you know, a series of podcasts for, for, children and wrote books and um so we're you know donating those services to local uh educational communities um and then i would say like the second prong is coming up with like what is our national focus going to be mm -hmm. um and so that's just taken a lot of time um to really like be thoughtful about and um and we'll be ready to unveil that soon, but we're not quite there yet. Well, as I was going to say, like, has, I mean, taking this job uh, when the pandemic, you know, when you first started, it was mm -hmm. still, still really raging, particularly in California. Um, has this given you sort of a time to sort of build up the program or decide what you're going to do? And then hopefully, you know, sooner rather than later, you're, you're going to be able to sort of, you know, fun stuff because the kids will be out there, you know, playing ball and not so worried about or less worried about COVID. Is that sort of the strategy? Or? Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, and I think and it's and it's also just being really thoughtful of, around like Vanessa Bryant's incredible and she's always thinking like, OK, what would Gianna do? What would Kobe do? And so continuing some of those efforts, but then also just being um just being mindful of of the incredible platform of the foundation and how we can have like a real national and one day you know potentially international focus on on a cause that um that is meaningful to their legacy but but also to the bryant family yeah yeah this is yeah. great 
Um, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, um, thank you so much for having me. We go into these silly questions at the very end. So <laughs> okay. I never prep you. Before we get into those silly questions, anything I didn't ask you that you want to tell me? I've, I've really enjoyed hearing your sort of your journey. But anything I, I left out that you want to make sure I know? Oh, that's so nice of you. Um, I can't think of anything right now. No, I can't think of anything. No, you've okay. done. This has been a very thorough interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Now I'm going to take it down a notch from thorough interview to, to silliness. And so yeah. um, at the end of every one of these podcasts, we do uh, what I call the beyond the summit fast five, pretty self-explanatory uh, five questions, answer them fastly. Uh, in other words, you know, don't think just answer. Oh gosh. Okay. All right. Are you yeah. ready? I am. Are you sure? You, you, you did, you know, you were an athlete, so you're probably ready. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, number one, what do you want to do or what do you want to be when you arrived at, at Trinity that, that first day? And ESPN anchor. All right. There you go. Yeah. Um, number two, what's one thing that happened at Trinity that your colleagues never knew about you? Oh, one thing that happened. I really, I really don't know. I think you've stumped me on this question. Are you that transparent? They know everything. And, I mean, the only things I can think of, I just wouldn't say on this. <laughs> on this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Fair, fair yeah, enough. Right? <laughs> you know, cut 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 the new mom some slack here. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, <laughs> number three, when you look back on the narrative of your life, was there a moment at Trinity that was instrumental in you becoming who you are today? I remember my field hockey coach saying to me, you know, early on when I first got there that I always march to the beat of my own drum. And I, and I don't, I'm hesitant to say that in, in an egotistical way. Uh, there was, you know, when we would leave practice, like a group would, uh, most of the team, you know, would head up to the, to Mather, the dining hall. And then I would always kind of like go off on my own and, and go back to my dorm room and then maybe meet up later. And I just appreciated that I, I guess I had never really thought of myself as kind of like um, part of the team, but then comfortable on my own. And that was just something that throughout my life uh, I have held with me because there are a lot of, um, I got a lot of advice. Like I would say, especially when I went to business school, um, you know, after business school, you got to go into consulting, you got to, uh, go for one of these high paying jobs. And for me, I did not know what I wanted to do after business school, but I know, I knew that I wanted to stay in the not-for-profit world and that, and that as, as a, you know, a kid from Cape Cod, which I know probably sounds a certain way, but I come from like a very blue collar family. My parents are both from Dorchester and um and still work to this day they're just you know it's kind of like dig down deep and and work hard um for me it was just really the message was like trust your gut and that's what i've tried to do throughout my life and i don't always get it right but i think that it's afforded me like this pretty 
adventurous and and unique kind of career that that may not make sense to a lot of people but i but i have loved it and and um all the different experiences yeah uh number four what advice would you give to a current trinity student who aspires to use his or her sports background after college oh gosh i mean there's and i wish i knew the stat off the top of my head but like especially for girls it's something like you know, most of the girls or the women who are in executive positions um, in their careers played sports. And so for me, I would just say, like, take that confidence that you get from the game, whatever it is, and doesn't matter how good you are, if you're a role player, if you're just a manager on the team, there's so much connectivity from those experiences that you can take with you to your career afterward. And I would say, just be confident. And again, like I just said before, like trust your gut, uh, your career path may not always be lateral. Um, sometimes you got to take a step back or pay cut, um, to get to where you want to go, but, but don't be afraid to, um, to take a job that you're just really interested in and maybe it doesn't pay super well but but let your let your um i hate the word passion but like let your passion your gut kind of lead the way because as long as you stay interested um then there's any of number of opportunities that will arise okay and number five the most important question if the trinity bantam our our beloved mascot had been one of your (laughs) trusted advisors what role would the fierce chicken play in your life? Oh God! <laughs> oh God! I, I, it would have to be like it, running the social media communications. <laughs> I'm so bad on social media, and I think that the bantam would be a nice, you know, uh, image running through <laughs> that that could help me navigate this like silly but very important world of communications because I am just very bad at it. I love it. I love the image yeah. of like yeah. the, of the bantam of the chicken, like all, trying to use does the he even have a thumb. They don't even have thumbs. He's like yeah. he's literally like scratching to type like an Instagram post or something like that. He's fumbling because I don't think they have opposable thumbs. Oh, gosh, um, yeah. That is all. Kat Conlon, uh, thanks for being a guest today on Beyond the Summit. I've thoroughly yeah, enjoyed Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And thanks for everything that you're doing and highlighting um, the athletes at Trinity because I think I think we all have a story to tell. And, and from my experience, people are just doing really cool stuff out in the world. So thank you for giving us this platform to talk about it. This episode of Beyond the Summit was brought to you by the Trinity College Office of Communications. Special thanks to Caroline DeVoe, Ellen Buckhorn, and Mary Mahoney for production assistance. This episode was produced by Helder Mita. Big thank you to Paul Sullivan, our alumnus host. The theme music, Winter in Liverpool by Mulaha, licensed by Musicbed. Thanks for listening and tune in next time.